you ever feel empty? And uh, part of the reason we come here week after week is uh, if we're empty, we can enter into this space of God's radical grace and, uh, and be filled up. And this month we are talking about baptism. And so, uh, Poochie, I need some water. <laughs> if you'll fill that up. And as we just kind of gather ourselves to be in this space, to listen to what God has for us tonight, as he fills up uh, the container of water, yep, just right back there, there you go. We're going to give it our attention as it makes its way to this altar here and just kind of set our hearts ready to listen to what God has. No super soaker tonight. That's next week. (laughs) So as it makes its way here, um, just go ahead and have a conversation with God. Where are you thirsty tonight? And where do you need living water? So come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you will renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, could we be the faithful tonight? (laughs) We're here, we're ready, and so come, Holy Spirit. Amen. That is extra cold. <laughs> when you come forward at the end, just make the sign of the cross. If, uh, if you'd like, just be prepared. <laughs> so we have been in this series uh, talking about baptism. And um, next week, we will kind of be set up in the round. We'll have a, a baptismal pool heated to a comfortable 80 degrees or something. I don't know. Um, And so we've had a number of you that would like that opportunity to remember your baptism, to once again join your yes to God's yes. And we talked several weeks ago that uh, the the benediction I give week after week of through God's spirit at work within you, we are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, extravagantly, finish it with me, more than we could ask or imagine. So that's what we're going to focus on tonight is God's spirit through the gift of baptism at work within us. But several weeks ago, we talked about this baptism is part of this one calling that we have all been called to. For in Christ Jesus, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is Father of all and in all and through all and above all. And through the gift of baptism, which is a tangible sign of God's radical grace. There are times in our lives, this grace is being poured out like a waterfall. And so there are times where we just come and we cup our hands to receive it. I don't know about you, but sometimes my soul is so thirsty as a deer that pants for water. I just need to stand under the waterfall and just let God's grace wash me and wash you anew. Last week we talked that baptism is joining our yes with God's yes. Because in Jesus, all of God's promises are 
yes. And what is God's promise? What is the yes? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> this yes is that God has uh, made the promise to make all things new. God did not just set creation. God did not just bring light out of darkness, bring things into order out of chaos. He didn't just do that. God didn't just do that and then step back and say, I hope that goes well. <laughs> God is a creator that is always creating. And so this promise of new creation the logo, the image for this series has been like the sun that is rising because as sure as the sun rises in the east, God is doing a new thing in your life and in this world. Amen? Amen. The difficulty is that there's, there's some part of our soul, there's some part at a cellular level where we believe that, but it often gets hard to see it. It's hard to have eyes to see where new creation is happening in your neighborhood, in your family, lordy at your work, <laughs> in your home group, in the counseling sessions that you attend week after week and you wonder if there's going to be any new breakthrough. God is doing a new thing. This quote from Eugene Peterson, uh, a pastor who was a pastor up in Virginia and then on the West Coast for a long time, and he wrote uh, a version of the Bible, translated a version of the Bible called The Message. He originally wrote it for his congregation, which were a lot of folks that were friends of Bill W. Eugene Peterson says this, the assumption of spirituality is that God is always doing something before I know it. So the task is not to get God to do something that I think needs to be done. What? The task is not to get God to do something that I think needs to be done, but to become aware of what God is doing so I can respond to it and participate in it and take delight in it. The assumption of spirituality is not that God has stepped back from creation, but that God is involved in it, and God is constantly doing a new thing. And our response in being marked by these waters and being filled with the Holy Spirit is that we would respond to it and join with it. And even, yes, delight, take joy in what God is doing. And so tonight for our passage I chose uh, some of Jesus' last words to his disciples. And um, Bridget and Tony are going to come and read the scripture, give them some encouragement, as they do. Hi, I'm Bridget. <laughs> this is Matthew 28, uh, 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them, I received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, 
them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end, the end of this present age. All right, this is Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed for, the, headed for the mountain Jesus had set for their reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshiped him. Some, though held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you Go out and train everyone you meet far near in, in this way of life, marking them by baptism in, in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of age. I wanted us to hear that passage twice. It's often called the Great Commission. Each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have a way that this message continues. In the Gospel of Luke, you got to flip over John and read into the book of Acts to see how this mission was ignited. In the book of John, it's uh, that we get to add our stories. That's the Great Commission. That Jesus says at the beginning of the book of John, come and see. And then at the end it said, look, if we were to write down everything that God was doing, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to fill it up. That means you and I get to add to the story of new creation. And in Mark, there's a short ending and a long ending. The long ending talks about handling snakes. I don't know. It's in there. Trust me, we're not going there. But the shorter ending, it just says that they witnessed the resurrection and then they went forth. And here in Matthew, Jesus comes and appears to the disciples. I love that even after the resurrection, after feeding the 5,000, after seeing all the miracles, they come. They come to Jesus and they're like, we're in and out, in and out. I love that we can relate. Because <laughs> there are days where I don't feel like risking it. I just want to dial it in. And what God's calling us to, and we can't always just be on fire for the Lord, but God's calling us to stay near to one another and to Jesus. So when the flame begins to go quiet, we'll catch fire from someone else. I love that in Matthew, Matthew is so particular and precise, well then why not give us the name of the mountain? You've given us a lot of geography up to this point in 28 chapters. You've been extremely meticulous. If you're watching The Chosen, uh, the way that Matthew is depicted in it as someone who is brilliant and detail-oriented on the spectrum. And so why do we get to the end and you don't give us the location? Does it bother anybody else? It clearly bothers me. <laughs> I don't know why, but perhaps one reason why is because humanity would have built the world's largest temple there. And so it's not named. 
and we don't have too many mountains to climb here in Houston. <laughs> Zero. But we can be a group of disciples that can go and gather in the place that Jesus said, I'm coming to meet with you. And even there, I'm with you until the end of the age. We leave, we're left space once again to put ourselves in this story. And so Jesus um, gives these instructions to the disciples. At this point, they have already been about the work of practicing what it means to be a witness, what it means to find their true identity in God, and what it means to be on mission. And so Jesus says, look, let me just wrap all of this up for you. These are the essentials. Go. <laughs> Go. Gathering is important. Coming to me, being on that mountaintop experience, being connected to God, that is important. And go. <laughs> Your holy huddles will become a stench in the nostril of God. That's not in there, but I think it could be. It would become a stench in the nostrils of God if we just keep huddling together. And so Jesus is saying to them, go and teach. So it's not just sitting them down and getting out the blackboard and going through so to make sure they memorize all the material. We look at how Jesus taught. He'd bring about everyday real life stories and he would talk about this is what the kingdom of God is. It is like a seed, the tiniest seed that is planted in the human heart and when it begins to grow, wow. Go and teach them and baptize them, mark them, let them know that they are part of this family of God. Very few other places within scripture do we have an understanding of God as three in one. But here the gospel writer includes in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus once again says, I know it's a tall order. It's a lot. And so I'll be with you day after day, hour after hour, year after year, moment by moment. And so as we hear an invitation from God tonight, there may be part of you that is thirsty and longing for living water. And may this be a space where we can drink from the well. But after drinking, may we go. So this is what I want to leave you with tonight, is that through this gift of baptism, we are commissioned to cultivate. We are commissioned to cultivate. It is always dangerous. I seem to use an abundance of gardening metaphors. And if you saw my gardening skills, you would say, eh, you might want to stick to the sports. <laughs> As a staff team and uh, folks within our church, we have kind of been praying, not only what is our individual words, but what would be a word for us as a congregation for the year? And one of those is this word to cultivate, 
to have our roots go down deep into the love of God. That's earlier in Ephesians 3, to have our roots go down deep. But then to take little clippings and to cultivate growth and new creation in new places. And I'm not talking about satellite, new worship service place. I don't know. Maybe that'll come about. You know why? Because you can gather people I can't gather. You can live the mission of God in ways I can't. But we're going to cultivate faith. We're going to cultivate places of new creation where people around the city of Houston, people that only you can connect to and you can connect to and you can connect to, to cultivate within them a sense of hope, of belonging, of the radical grace of God. And so I want to just offer kind of three suggestions of how to cultivate faith, how to, how to be commissioned to cultivate Next slide. In being commissioned and, and marked by God, we're to listen to our true selves. There's a book written by Father James Martin, and it includes letters from several different saints who are also sinners. <laughs> Richard Rohr says it this way, our false self is who we think we are. It is our mental self-image and our social agreement. And most people spend their entire lives trying to live up to or down to that social agreement. It's, we all have it. It's the person that we put out there. And, and some of us have learned that person, cultivated and, and shaped that person out of a place in which we had to in order to survive. But what God's invitation is to us and what we receive in the marking of these waters is to be able to live our true selves, the self that God sees and says to us, I love you. <laughs> Strip away all that other stuff that you think you need to be or labels that have been put on you. Strip all of that away. What I really love is the real you. And that ain't always pretty. <laughs> is yours always pretty? No? Okay, a handful of you. Good. So before being true to ourselves, it is to confront the ways in which we all do it. We get in this pattern of, of having to put up a mask or to live into behavior that served us well for a while, but no longer does. And so in trying to cultivate new creation for others, we do so out of the place of living from our own true selves. The second thing is this, is to be a witness. Can I get a witness? If I know that song, let's just pause. Let's just hit, let's play that. I'm, I'm going through the, the verses. I'm just not singing them to you. So, have you ever heard people say, you know, you should, you should go out there and share your faith? 
I mean, the Bible says that. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope in which you have. Peter wrote that somewhere. Share your faith and then go about living your life. I think what Jesus is getting at here and what we are wanting to do together of living into our true selves is we want to live our faith and share our lives with one another. To put boots to the things that we believe and to let our lives be a witness. Now, tricky part here is witness can also be translated as a martyr. Not a martyr that takes on a mission of our own, but one that lives this faith that we believe in where the grace is so radical and so costly that we can't help but share it. We can't help but express our gratitude to God. We can't help but live our faith in such a way that is not perfect, but it is in progress. I know you've heard that phrase in the rooms. Be your true self and be a witness. Live the faith that you have. Practice it. And then finally, to be on mission, to join God's mission of justice and mercy and restoration. There is a quote by Frederick Buechner that says, your mission, your vocation is where your deep gladness meets the world's deep need. Your mission in life is where your deep gladness meets the world's deep need. Back to the Peterson quote that God is always up to something and we join it and participate in it and delight in it. So we're going to put some clipboards out. We're going to have all the different ways you can serve in this church. We're not, we're closing the doors until you do it and you're going to be on mission. Some of y'all are waiting for that. That's what we do in church. We got some volunteer roles we got to fill and so we're doing it. <laughs> we do, but. What I love about this congregation, this community of Mercy Street and Chapelwood, <laughs> ain't nobody got time to be a cog in the wheel of the church. But what we want to do in this place is, is just join what God is already doing in new creation. And all of the things that we do, it's because someone in this room raised their hand originally and said, like Yami just said, I got off that bus at Santa Maria. It makes a difference that we are there every single week. And women in the room, we are with you every week. And so we keep going back and we keep sharing our experience, strength, and hope. Some of us in this room know what it is like to spend time behind bars, to be yanked around by the system. And so we go back inside the very places in which some of you have served time because there was a deep gladness awakened within you. Even though you were behind bars, some part of you was set free. And we serve the hungry because many of us in this room, some of you know what it is like to be physically hungry, but you also know what it's like to be spiritually hungry. 
And so we have people that say, you know what, I am, I, I'm going to volunteer to lead a spiritual formation group where people can get the living water and the bread of life. I'm going to faithfully show up to these groups, maybe not always for my own need, but for someone else in the circle. Amen. So friends, this, we have been commissioned by Jesus to live into our true selves, to let our lives be a witness always perfect <laughs> but aiming towards a perfect love in God and to be on mission and so I want to lead us just in a prayer exercise to locate where this past week you joined God in a place of delight and I know because of who God is every single person in this room as we enter into this prayer exercise together You'll be able to pinpoint five minutes, five hours, an entire day. And so if you're comfortable to uh, put both feet on the ground, just get in a posture where you're, you're comfortable to listen. Give yourself permission to not try to think of all, <laughs> all of the things you did this past week, but to just be open and willing to hear Jesus' words to you. I'm with you. I love you. I'm for you. <laughs> and to hear Jesus say, I saw you this past week. You were delighting in me. What was a time this past week where you really felt yourself? There were no masks. You were maybe present to a friend in a conversation. Maybe it was a quiet moment while the coffee was brewing. And you just felt a sense of hope for the day ahead. Maybe it was a, a meal with a coworker. Maybe it was celebrating a, a milestone. But to just take a moment and to name in that place, Jesus, this is where I felt your love and your delight. And to whisper a prayer of thanks and gratitude. And then to perhaps courageously pray this. And so Jesus, show me how that cultivated new creation. Show me how the delight you gave to me brought joy to someone else. Show me how... Show me how you're doing something new. And God, in this upcoming week, when we feel those moments of delight, when we feel those moments of hope, could we say thank you? 
and then courageously pray the prayer, now how do you want me to give it away? How do you want me to share it? Who is in need? And God, where are you making something new? Amen. Amen. Amen.